Welcome to Frickety Frack. We do talk back. Thank you for joining us this episode. Hello, my name is Jeff and I'm Frick. Hello, my name is Patrick and I'm Frack. Frickety Frack, we do talk back is a show where we will discuss uh, different aspects of fandom and how they relate to the gospel. And we are going through the prime video series, Invincible, and connecting lessons from each episode to teachings in the Bible. And just as many of you are, we're also fans of other things as well. So when we finish Invincible, we will go in a different direction and look at anything ranging from anime, comics, video games, movies, or other things that we're fans of. We got the name of the show from our father who dubbed us Frick and Frack since we were kids. All right, and the title of the fifth episode is That Actually Hurt. So we open up the episode with a, a CD alleyway and warehouse being attacked by Titan. He makes quick work of the criminals, telling him to send a message to their boss that if they're found on his turf again, he'll kill them. Invincible is then in the city fighting Kill Cannon, making Mark late for meeting up with Amber. He explains that he was late because he got her Japanese cheesecake, and she's mad that he went all the way across town to get her something, which also happened to make him late. Titan is then see, seen le- leaving a building he set on fire. The residents wonder what they ever did to him. He hands them money and tells them of a place that will put them up for a few weeks. Mark is then late to work at the Burger Mart due to fighting another villain in the city, and he decides to just quit instead of continuing to do the, uh, to do the job. Titan is seen threatening another criminal, but decides to go easy when he sees they, that the criminal has a kid. Mark is uh, then shown late being late to school again and runs into Principal Winslow. Principal Winslow is concerned about Mark's academic future and his recent attendance issues. Titan breaks into a technology facility and steals a chip. He offers the security guards a chance to leave the facility alive if they just let him go and fire into the air and say they did everything they could to stop him. Mark is then seen texting Amber about a date while getting pummeled with objects from an unknown unknown villain. Titan is then seen giving the chip to Machine Head. He inserts and Machine Head takes the chip and inserts it into his head. Titan tells him that he is done and no longer wants to be associated with him. He's paid his debt. Machine Head tells him he's too useful and Titan will continue to work for him because he knows where his family is. Mark is then in space with his father diverting an asteroid, although Mark struggles. Uh, he does stop it and sends it flying back into space. His father explains that was actually a small one. Mark then gets a notification about his day with Amber and wants to leave, but Nolan wants him to stay. Nolan eventually does relent and he allows Mark to leave this one time. Mark arrives, arrives late to his day with Amber that was supposed to be with Amber's mother, his first time meeting her. Amber airs her frustration with Mark that she is not a priority. Amber explains that she won't continue this and Mark does begin to consider almost telling Amber that he is invincible and that's why he's always late, but decides against it. While pouting on his way home, he gets a call from his dad to fight the elephant. At home, Debbie discovers the the notebook left behind by Damien Darkblood. In the Wilkins household, Eve informs her parents that she is no longer dating Rexplode and, uh, and is no longer part of the teen team. Her parents begin to explain that they're nervous about her continuing on her own without someone there to protect her. She states that she doesn't know, even know if she wants to continue her work, which makes her parents happy, happy because she shouldn't be doing it at all. In anger, she states she's capable of doing anything she wants and leaves by creating a door out of nothing. While Invincible is flying, he sees a painted message from Titan on a building. He thinks Titan wants revenge, but Titan just explains he needs his help. 
Invincible initially scoffs at the idea since, you know, he's a criminal. Titan laughs at Marks and it's at Mark and says, you don't even know what that word means. Titan explains he's not a criminal. He just owed one money and now he can't get out of it. Titan wants Invincible's help to take down Machine Head. Invincible is reluctant to, t- to help since he's a big picture hero. Titan shows Invincible how Machine Head's operation works and explains that if Mark helps him take down Machine Head, he will have an opp- opportunity to help real people. Invincible wants to know why he borrowed money from Machine Head to begin with. He says it wasn't for him. At home, Mark is seeking the advice of his parents on whether or not to help Titan with Machine Head. Nolan thinks it's beneath him, but his mom thinks helping anyone is never beneath him. At Guardians HQ, the team arrives from stopping the Lizard League from turning people into snakes. They celebrate with beer, and Black Samson is upset with the celebration since there are 12 people in the hospital since they were not acting as a team. Debbie and Nolan continue to argue on whether or not Mark should help Machine Head. Nolan doesn't think Debbie gets it, uh, gets what he and Mark goes through, but she reminds him that she's the one that taught him how to be a hero on Earth in the first place. Amber tells Eve that Mark is helping her at a community center that she claims as a second home. It also happens to be one Titan's family frequents. Amber asks Eve if Mark has been acting weird, and she doesn't know if she can keep up the relationship. Eve does vouch for Mark. Titan takes Invincible to Machine's head penthouse, and he agrees to help him. The Mahler twins are reunited when Robert Robot explains he needs their help, and will make it worth their while. Debbie sends Nolan on errands across the globe in order to get a few minutes at home alone to Snoop. She does find the remnants of Nolan's suit from when he fought the Guardians. Invincible and Titan begin their assault on Machine Head only to find out it's a trap. Titan and Invincible are getting pummeled when Invincible snaps and takes out two of the villains quickly before getting put down by Battle Beast. Omni-Man is seen outside the penthouse watching. The Guardians arrive and temporarily turn the tide before they all take a beating. When Invincible, Black Samson, and Monster Girl all take extraordinary beatings to the brink of death, the Guardians rally and take out all the villains except Battle Beast, who finds the fight beneath him and leaves. Titan leaves Invincible saying sorry, but he needs to take care of his. Cecil arrives with the GDA and begins emergency medical procedures on Black Samson, Invincible, and Monster Girl. In treating the scene, Cecil has Donald grab some of Mark's blood, as well as the advanced microchip machine head has. Titan shows up after everyone's left, being revealed to have orchestrated the event in order to take over for Machine Head. It is revealed that the scientists for the GDA are testing different methods of attack against Viltrumite blood. Mark's blood. So this episode, uh, we have some one of the biggest reveals or first appearances for uh, Invincible fans because of a big fan favorite of Battle Beast, who was played by Michael Dorn, uh, who also played uh, Worf on Star Trek, The Next Generation, and also Star Trek Deep Space Nine, among a plethora of movies. Has he shown up in Picard? Uh, he He doesn't show up in the first season. I haven't watched the second season yet. Okay, I haven't watched any of it. Um, And then... Uh, this is also the first appearance of Machine Head, who's played by Jeffrey Donovan, um, who Jeff and I love on the TV show Burn Notice. He played Michael Weston. Um, the lead character. The lead character. 
Uh, one of the things that I, just real quickly that I absolutely loved about Machine Head is that Jeffrey Donovan's voice is manipulated by auto tune, and it is not even like good. It's not it's in an, it's not in an attempt to make it sound good or anything like that. It's just an attempt to make him sound, you know, like he's got a machine head. Yeah, and it is absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely love that that trick on it, and mm-hmm. that um, was great. And I don't know if there's a I don't know if I could honestly picture a better voice for Battle Beast than Michael than Michael Dorn and yeah. or my favorite character on the on the on Next Generate Generation. So anytime that he gets uh, any opportunities to act or do anything, I'm all for it. I love me some Worf, yeah. and uh, so like I know there's talks of like a live action invincible if battle beast ever battle beast does play a part in it they sh- they need to have michael dorn do the voice for him he he, he w- it won't work real well for him to do the the physical because he's not you know he's not you know he's he's he, he, he's over 60 i'm sure by now yeah um, easily i bet but his voice is perfect for battle beast yeah, just battle beast just needs to be a cgi person um, oh yeah well there's going to be heavy cgi makeup and and effects and that sort of stuff for yeah uh, for Mount Beast. Uh and, and with, eventually show up. With uh Machine Head, I love that it, that the the glitchy sound I'm using air quotes here of when he you know when his voice auto-tunes I love that it's it's seemingly random uh, other than sometimes when he's like gets worked up like it does that a little bit but it's also just random times when he's speaking like so it's not even just a reflection of emotion it's just him talking where it just goes it's like the the old dial-up sound um uh and with that I, I love one of my favorite things in comics and invincible this episode does this as well Uh, i shared this one when i did a review of astro city number one where the thing one of the things i love is when comics or superhero stuff really gives us a, a glimpse into what henchmen and those kind of people look go through and so when titan breaks machine head's desk he's like and you've got to pay for this it's like oh yeah. i mean the it's like, face this is, is just italian. great yeah this yeah. is imported italian of In maple italian maple yeah and so it's like and he's just like oh and it's like and they're and like it's it's very visible that he is displeased that this is now part of his problem yeah, and like, so it's just, and he's got a he's got a rock face where the like it's it's not really supposed to show emotion, but the the animators did such a great job that even his rock face showed the ugh behind that statement that he just said. And now we did miss one other very important first appearance, and that is Principal Winslow. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's not a mistake. Principal Winslow. And let me tell you how happy it makes me that Principal Winslow, they got Reginald Vell Johnson to voice him. Absolutely love it because it's just like it because the character in the co- in the comics, and they do this in the in the cartoon as well, but in the co- like the comics, which is the cartoon is based off of the the host the high school that they go to is called Reginald Vell Johnson High School, is it not? Yes. Uh, 
and so the uh the creator the creators of invincible love sitcoms and so uh if you actually were to collect the individual trades of the series with the exception of the with the exception of like maybe two of the trades maybe there's a few there's there's a few um two that i can think of off the top of my head um but i'm sure there are more but most of them are named after a sitcom and so they they have a true love for sitcom and then in the very beginning there are a couple of different references to the the show family matters first the references of principal winslow and reginald vell johnson high school and then there is a uh, there's a student that showed up in a few issues uh named steve white uh that is a clear uh uh play towards um Julia White's character Steve Urkel by combining you know combining His the two names. names yes combining the two names from the character and the actor uh just paying homage uh to the show Family Matters and so I this made me so happy you have no idea at just how happy that it's just like man are they gonna have red are they gonna have Principal Winslow show up in the show and if they do are they gonna get Reginald Vell Johnson to voice him because that will be amazing yeah and the fact that they got it they absolutely got it. It makes me so happy. And again, my hope is my hope beyond hope is that when they get around to doing the live action show, if they show this aspect of Mark's life and in, in the Invincible live action movie, you got to get Reginald Vell Johnson to to play Principal Winslow. Yeah, you I just hope, got it. If they get this done in time, I hope he'll still be willing to do it because I mean he's getting he's getting up there in age. Um, yeah. uh, but it's it's funny that you know with principal winslow he played a much bigger role in the beginning yeah um he uh he, he's actually the one who helped mark come up with his name as a hero and uh and so we you know that's one of those those fun things that he and so i know they had to minim, minimize his role because they just didn't have that much time you know right. with just the eight episodes of this first season well, it, well, on top, well, then on top of it too, one of the things that they've really in the in the comic when you when you read the comic, his high school life plays a much bigger role in the beginning of the series than they've depicted it in the animated series, and will depict it for the rest of this particular season. Right. Um, I can't and speak the, for season two since it hasn't come out yet, uh, but the comic play like William and Amber. Uh, and, and Eve, Eve all and Eve all play a much bigger role in the in the comic in the beginning than they are than they do have in the show. Now, don't get me wrong; Eve and Amber do have very significant roles, but it's it's not as superhero-y in the comic, if, if that if that makes sense, as it is uh, in the beginning. It's very much a high school comic that so happens to star a superhero. Right. It's kind of how I would describe it. Yeah, and and so, anyways, it's it's great um, seeing Reginald Vell Johnson and Principal Winslow. But you know, that's you know, speaking of that, like this is kind of the episode where they really deal with the high school part of it. I mean, they do it a little bit more in the coming episodes as well. But this is this is the big one where Mark's having this trouble of balancing being a hero and being in high school. Uh, because they've still got, you know, 
I, I do we do apologize for quote unquote spoilers, but this show has been out for like almost a year now. Uh, but you know, we still got the college trip, and then you know, then we've got the the big twist that I won't we won't announce just yet. But uh, but so this is this is kind of like the wrap up and conclusion to his high school life, at least for yeah. this season. Uh, yeah, in, and, in and a really and again, meaningful I, way. And, you know, and I, and I get it. Like, it makes sense. Like, it, you know, like if you really want to get people hooked on the show, they can't really, you know, they they you want to get the superhero stuff. And mm-hmm. so, um, and, and I get it. And so they're doing like I, like I said, they like we've been saying in each episode, uh, in each of our episodes, they're doing a lot of stuff. It's not a, that the stuff that they're doing is out of canon. Uh, as much as it is it's just out of order uh, right. from the comic. Because I think this takes place a little bit later uh, in the season. I, but I may be remembering it wrong. But but you're right. Like, this is this is their episode to really show that, like, Mark has, like you're saying, like, Mark is really struggling with uh, it ba- finding the balance in his life as a superhero. Like, how does he get schoolwork done? Does he want to go to college? That's This is the first time that he brought this up um that he's even considering not going to college um which i like this like they actually pull this from um because i don't i don't really remember the comic ever being like when he was in high school him not wanting to go to college um now in the comic when he gets to college he's kind of like yeah i just really don't have time for this right um and so he does he, he never finishes college as far as i'm as far as I'm aware, um, I don't think he does. And he goes on to, to quote unquote, bigger and better things. Uh, but yeah, so this is the first time they brought this up. And this, I, I liked it because it kind of reminds me of Spider Man Homecoming a little bit, where, mm-hmm. um, you know, when Peter is, you know, he's, you know, he's d- dealing with the same thing, struggling, finding the balance between social life, school, and superhero work. And he's just like, I'm probably, you know, he's like, even though he's this 15 year old kid, he's just like, you know, I'm, I'm practically Avenger an Avenger. I'm not even going to like, why, why am I even going to stick around in high school? Like as soon as Tony moves all of the Avengers upstate to that facility, I'm going with him. Um, although shock. Nope. You're not. Um, or that wasn't in the plan. Um, but any, anyways. Um, so yeah, so it's, I really like this aspect of it, like where we get a little bit more of what's going on with with Mark in high school, because um, like I said, it, it is something that is actually a very big part of the original uh, of the comic. Is like they they dealt with high school stuff a lot more, and also on top of the two, his life at Burger Mart. Like there was a lot of a lot of stuff they did at Burger Mart. Uh, well, I, well, I don't know about a lot, but they had no. He he before. quits pretty early on. Uh. I feel like from Burger Mart, he doesn't work there for very long, but then they show, they keep going back to that Burger Mart. And, yeah. uh, uh, um, but yeah, I don't think he works there. For, he actually, it, in the grand scheme of things in this, this show, I think he actually lasted longer in the show at Burger Mart than he did here in the comics. Um, you know, and I think, I think you're right. I don't think he lasted very long. Uh, and I do yeah. remember the comic that his dad was very happy that he, quit his job because it gave him more time to focus on his training so right uh and so you know speaking of the the drama and everything 
uh, one of the best parts about this is the relationship humor, you know, you know, Jeff is, as Jeff pointed out in the, the beginning part of the synopsis, uh, you know, he's like, you know, I, I know I'm late, but it, uh, but you won't be mad because I got you that Japanese cheesecake that you really like. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, she points out the flaw in the thing. He's like, you know, I would just be happy if you would have showed up on time without the cheesecake. But you're, and, you know, and he's not really late because of the cheesecake. But in her mind, she's like, you're late because you went to go get me cheesecake when you didn't have to. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's always one of those funny things in, in high school dramas and things like that where romance and stuff like that where you always, um, you know, the guy or the girl does something bad, but it's like, but I knew you'd be mad that I did this, but here's cheesecake. And which, I'm not going to lie, cheesecake will usually make me happy, <laughs> make me feel better. <laughs> yeah. Or some kind of dessert along that way. Um, no. I'd rather have... If you're going to be late, show up with a steak. Or, but, yeah. <laughs> that's just me. Um, but, and I, and I, and I 100% love that when he's texting Amber, he's texting and he's getting these random objects thrown at him by a supervillain. This doesn't even phase him. He's just sister texting. And then he finally sends the last one and he gets hit by something like the heaviest object that they finally throw at him. And he's like, you can tell it's just like, He's genuinely annoyed now. It's like, can you not see I'm trying to have a conversation here? You know, it's like, I just, I love this aspect about when, as they bring superhero stuff into more modern times, when they're like, I'll beat you up in a minute. Can you just let me finish my text conversation with my girlfriend? Really? (laughs) And so, and I just, I just love it. I absolutely love that scene that that might be my favorite scene in the entire episode it's um, definitely really it's really great no no i take it back there's i have one other scene there's a, there is one scene that i absolutely actually love more than that scene but for well it's for different reasons this one that's a comedy reason the my favorite scene um is actually when mark is just flying in the sky and he and it's right before he he sees the message from titan and he goes and you know he, he sees the airline uh, plane and he goes by he goes down right by it and he's just like and he waves at the kid and you just see that this is like a pure joy moment for him that's mm-hmm. just like him getting to just fly and you just think about like i know for me like i get asked this a lot because of you know how nerdy my brother and i are and we love superheroes and that sort of stuff and i get asked all the time like what superpower would you want and honestly there's a lot uh, my answer kind of changes uh from time to time based on um my mood however there's always one consistency as long as that superpower grants me the ability to fly i don't really care what my other powers are because um, <laughs> i to me there's just such there's such a freedom aspect of flying and i and it's like and this and it's just a quick five second scene and it's just so awesome to see it because you just see like just how much he enjoys being up in the clouds and flying and being above all of the stress, all of the nonsense of life and just enjoying himself. And so, and it's just, it's something that's like, was just a really great scene. Um, and I just really thoroughly enjoyed it. And I will say one of the things too, that I really enjoyed was uh, be, the elephant showed up and he's a, 
a villain that shows up from time to time. Again, Mark has these random villains that are, you know, not that big a deal. Um, and the elephant is one of them. And he is a direct parody of the rhino. And so, and I just absolutely love that he showed up from the comics and into the series. Um, so and it's just, it's one of those things that I really enjoy about the comic books, the comic series and this and the animated series just to begin all together when it comes to um, Invincible is that it, you can see that the people that were behind this show, behind the, the comic book, genuinely had a love for superhero stuff. So they pull in tropes from different things and just kind of poke fun at it a little bit. And, you know, and, and especially with the, the dynamic of who Mark is being a teenage superhero, they do pull a lot of stuff from Spider-Man. Um, but just the fact that the elephant is in there and you just you don't even see him fight the elephant, which, you know, for Spider-Man, the fighting the rhino would be a significant battle because of how strong and how tough rhino is. But you just see you know you just know that you know mark's going to go fight the rhino and then as he's flying in the sky past titan you just see him you know carrying the elephant by his by his nose by a snout and so it's just it's just these like fun little quirky moments that are just absolutely so much fun um that we have and again another fun scene and then again this is actually something straight out of the comics yeah, Mark and- carrying Titan. Mark carrying Titan around, and which is something so great that they bring this up. That it's just like you don't ever think about w- superheroes that are flying people around and how they carry them, and how comfortable it is. Now they don't do all uh, they don't do all of it from the comic because they do uh, show him carry Titan a couple different ways in the comic. So the first way they carry him is from is from underneath the armpit. Mm-hmm. And uh and he's and Titan's just like, wow, this is this is really not comfortable. And he's just like, Well, I mean, there's really only one other way we can carry I can carry you. And so then he starts cradling him like a baby. And which is what is which is only the show, which is the only aspect that they show in the con in this in the TV series. But it's just like it's this this like great moment in the comics, and I'm so happy that it made its way into the TV series. Because again, it is just such a great moment that it's just absolutely ridiculous. And again, it points something out that we don't really see a whole lot in comics. It's kind of like, um, they're yeah. like, how are we supposed to carry you? Night Nightwing, most recent issues of Nightwing kind of cover that because he, he partners up with the Flash. Um, and so they've discussed that. And I've gone back and have read uh the new teen titans run by george perez and marv wolfman which if you have not read them please do they are phenomenal comics but one of the most funny things after having read all these comics and and seen all this stuff where you know people finally started pointing out how uncomfortable and awkward it is to see super speed people or people who are flying carrying the non-powered people I kid you not, Starfire is cradling Robin in almost every single issue that they're in together and they're traveling. Like, and Robin's and Robin's sitting cradled, so he's sideways. He's so he's perpendicular to Starfire, but also pointing and giving commands to everyone on the Titans, uh, telling them what to do while 
looking absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> well, and it doesn't and it doesn't help that he's still at this time still wearing the speedo the speedo look for Robin. Yeah. Uh, well, but yeah. So they, actually, they actually bring this they actually bring this up in a in an issue that just came out uh, not too long ago in World's Finest number 2 being done by Mark Wade and uh Supergirl and Robin team up to go do something while Batman and Superman go to team up to do something. And Supergirl is, is she's doing the shoulder. She's doing the shoulder fly. Um, mm. And so and he kind of points out, you know, so and again, it's like, I, I actually, in all honesty, when I saw that scene, I instantly thought of Invincible. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I don't know if that was Mark Wade homaging uh, the Invincible series or not. Um, but yeah, I just, I really got a kick out of that. Yeah. Uh, and so one of the things that like, you know, We've we've kind of touched on this on the different things. So the plane scene is kind of a it's a callback to the first episode when he flies for the first time and he almost takes out a plane because he's like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? And uh, but then also he's struggled fighting and now he takes on the elephant and is you know is dragging him by the trunk. And so one of the things that I've appreciated about this is that really kind of up until this episode. We haven't really seen Mark do well, and so this is this is the episode or story arc when the hero is like, "Oh yeah, you know what? I'm great. I'm really good at what I'm doing." And then they get the hero gets their their uh, butt kicked, and they realize that they still got a long ways to go. It, it reminds me of uh, the Ninja Turtle cartoon show from 2012 there's a time when they they're beating like they beat all of shredders henchmen so soundly that they feel invincible then splinter's like no no and is the wise master and tells them they're like no no you guys still need training and to work hard and um because they don't listen to splinter they end up having a, a really major defeat for them uh, but anyway so that's that's what i I really connect with that this episode in that way because it's very standard trope for hero work, uh, but it's always such a, a great episode and a great story to experience with the hero uh, mm-hmm. and their growth. Um, so. And, was, and so the last the last thing that I kind of want to bring up before we get into the Bible, uh, the biblical aspect of the episode is actually what happens in the Wilkins household. Uh, this, this scene, I, I, I'd actually kind of forgotten about this scene, uh, from the first time I watched it and, and then rewatching it. And honestly, part of this, it's like, I hurt for Adam Eve in in this episode, um, mm-hmm. because it's like her, you know, she, she legitimately is one of the most powerful superheroes on the planet. She can rearrange things at a molecular level. So she's. There's not a whole lot she can't do in in terms of power. And so the fact that her parents belittle her and think so little of her, because I don't care how how you how you want to put it, they think little enough of her as a hero that she has to have a big strong man explode uh, there around to keep her, to help her uh, stay safe, which in fact she's more powerful than Rexplode. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure she actually kept him in alive more than he ever did. And then on top of it, too, 
like the the whole it's like forgive them guys make mistakes no no it's just like you know again the discussion can be a little different when it comes to cheating on when you're in a, when you're married um th- that's a discussion for another day but when you're dating somebody and they cheat on you why on earth would you stick around with them that doesn't make any sense to me like i know you know it's just like i've in, in my days in ministry uh, especially dealing with like campus ministry and and people you know it's just like can't tell you how many people i've talked to it's just like oh yeah they cheated on me about multiple times but i keep taking them back because that's what jesus would do it's like no it's just like yes you forgive them but don't continue to be paired with them there's also talks about being in need you know being yoked with somebody even to you mm-hmm. and so like if they can't stay in a in a, a relationship without cheating on you why would you keep yourself there why would you stay yoked to them and so it's just like i was like i i really felt for her on that it's like you know so they it's like oh you know you got to forgive them all guys make mistakes first of all no they don't uh some of us don't do that when we're committed you know it's like some of us like when we're dating you and we're committed to you i don't care about any other women like that's you're the only woman that i care about in that way in that capacity uh so like and so anyways and then um you know to say there's just an 18 year old girl so it's like you know so it's like again she's an adult and on top of it too she's incredibly powerful she and you know it's like the fact that it's like her just making the decisions like you know what i'm not even sure i really want to be a hero anymore it's like oh good you shouldn't even been doing it in the first place she's got powers and some of the most power she's one of the most powerful beings on the planet and so it's like so why wouldn't she want to do something where she could help people and if she thought superhero work was where she should do it then she'd go on go on do it um they're going to start touching on uh i would imagine they're going to be touching on a little bit in the next season um some of the stuff that eve decides to do with her powers um but anyways so spoilers there but um but i do absolutely love that she's just so ticked off at her parents that she turns a part of the wall of the outside wall of their home into a door so she just go out and leave and then the dad yells at her and it's like you better not leave a door there and then the door slams in his face absolutely love it absolutely <laughs> right. love that scene and, and it's a good scene too and you know i'm i'm a parent and um like their their desire for her to be on a team i totally get that like i, I like oh yeah you got a team around her to to watch her back that's great but you know i agree with you i've got three daughters and um do i want them to be get married and happily married and everything absolutely Uh, but i also want them to know that you know they're not well if that's what they want yeah um but you know anyway so so i'm just kind of like the the relationship with the Wilkins parents is always interesting to say the least. And yeah, and we don't even know, and we don't even know all of it yet. Like that'll right. that'll come with time. Uh, there's some yeah. there's some stuff that's going to be revealed. Uh, yeah, if they, if they'll get around to it, because I mean it's down it's way down the road and stuff. But like the one yeah. of the last conversations with the Wilkins parents. Um, I, one of my, my favorite parts about it is that Eve was like, I do, did not expect for it to turn out that way. <laughs> and, and it's such a positive and great way. Like the, 
anyway, so we won't we won't get into that just yet because it's a big spoiler. Well, not like big spoilers, but it's a she ends up having a really great closure with both of her parents um, at, at one point in the comic series, and it's really good. So, uh, so in this episode, uh, our biblical theme comes from James chapter one verse twenty-seven. Uh, And this is what it says. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Uh, So the reason why this Bible verse was chosen uh, was because, you know, Invincible, he gets this really big lesson on dealing with the difference between big picture heroics and street crime. And this is one of those things that I love the dynamic in that when, uh, you know, Marvel or DC Comics does this uh, because it's such an interesting time. So, for example, there's one time uh, in Spider-Man comics where Spider-Man and the Human Torch go to Wilson Fisk's office or something like that. I can't really remember what. And so, but he's got, so Wilson Fisk has all of these like expensive paintings and Johnny Storm, Johnny Storm's like all backing up his bro and everything. He's like, you need to leave back off Spider-Man, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you don't deal with cosmic level heroes very much, do you? And he's like, no, I do not. He's like, well, because of my cosmic level power, you know, I could just torch everything in this building. And he was like, yes. And then I will sue you for millions of dollars to replace all of my paintings because you have come and har- harassed me and come into my place and, and done this. And Johnny Storm's kind of like, oh, uh, okay. Because unfortunately, not unfortunately, but being a hero, he's not just going to like set him on fire um, and kill him because that would be the easy thing to do. Uh, but anywho, so the Invincible kind of gets this first lesson in that, like uh, Omni-Man is trying to teach him, is like, you're a big picture hero. You don't worry about this stuff. You know, you save countries at a time. Like when you stop someone, you're saving lots and lots of people all at once. Uh, you don't do this one-on-one kind of thing, that street crime which is stuff. Which is kind of, which is kind of ironic he brings that up because it was with the exception of that asteroid that he saved the country. His only other thing that they've really showed since then that was like, honestly kind of big picture thing was alien invasion. Yeah. Like, well, outside all, of that, been like fighting these random super villains. Right. And all new man's just teaching is, you know, and especially when he fights like the elephant, he's like, Oh, it'd be perfect practice for you. Uh, you know, he's, he's, giving him training on how to fight and how to control his strength and things like that. Um, so anyways, uh, and so, and so Titan, you know, Titan and Invincible, they really kind of, he, he gives Invincible this glimpse into what it feels like to be a henchman, a hired gun, those kind of things. This is like, you, you can't get out from underneath them, especially if you're good at what you do, because that's the reason why Machine keeps him. And so, um, uh, you know, this conversation that he has, and he talks about how, you know, 
it's so hard and it gets to invincible. And so for, you know, Jeff's in ministry, I'm in ministry, um, you know, and in those moments we can get our priorities mixed up. And when you, when you're doing full-time ministry, uh, you know, people feel like that you should be 24 seven and you're out there beck and call no matter, no matter what, like you should always be able to drop whatever you're doing. And there are times when I have to drop what I'm doing, just kind of like what Marcus had to do. Uh, now I haven't had to do, divert an asteroid from taking out the United States of America. Uh, but there have been times where I was like, I've got to go and I've got to stop whatever I'm doing with my family or whatever else I'm working on and go and, and do this because a family uh, church members dying or is in the hospital, things like that. Um, and so we can get, and so in our lives, we're, and when we're doing ministry, when we're doing all these different things, we get, so we can get our priorities mixed up. And so that's why it's really important for us to remember what the Bible tells us about what it means to follow in his footsteps. And so one of the things that James is talking about in this letter uh, to his, his church is, is like, if all else fails, visit orphans, visit widows, take care of them, and keep oneself unstained from the world. At the nut and bolts, if you're doing those things, you're doing well. And now, does that mean that's the only thing you're supposed to do? No, but that was an emphasis for James and his leadership style and for his church was to take care of orphans, take care of widows, and to make sure that you're, you're not stained by the world. And so for, for, for Mark as a, as a fledgling hero, you know, he needs to figure out his balance and his life, and, you know, schooling, but also save the world, those kind of things. But also don't forget about the people that are, are affected. One of the best things that he does in this is when, unfortunately, he takes out an apartment building, but he holds it up long enough for the family to to get their belongings out. Like that's a great mindset where that's big picture and little picture all at the same time. And I just love that. And so that's something that for us as followers of Christ, to do is make sure we're seeing the big picture and little picture at the same time. I know for, I know for me, one of the things that's really important is, uh, is balance. And so one of the things that I would get into, uh, have, I would have some issues with when it comes to ministry is, so often uh, ministries, especially campus ministries, were so focused on trying to keep kids in the church that they were actually pushing them out because they were so focused on trying to keep them there, keep them happy, and keep them satisfied that when other things came around and you know, like maybe something didn't go right their way, you know, bad stuff happened in their life, and they would blame the church. And so when you focus so much on just keeping the same people that you already have there, 
instead of trying to grow the ministry, try and grow the kingdom, um, it it depletes it depletes your resources. Because first of all, that's why churches die, is because the same people are there every single Sunday, and nobody's nobody new is showing up, and they're hearing the same messages over and over again. Um, and so instead of doing that, and then on top of it, if there is um, like the best way to actually keep them going to church is to keep them engaged in the mission and keep them active and reaching out. You want to keep them safe, make them dangerous, make them somebody that, that, uh, that Satan fears, not be like, I'm not going to bother with them because if I rock the boat, it's one of the things that I love a lot about the screw tape letters in the very beginning is just like, you know, in, in screw tapes communications, they talk about, it's like, no, don't rock the boat with him. Don't give him an inflection. Don't, you know, don't kill him. You know, don't kill somebody close to him or anything like that. Leave him be for right now. Because if we do anything too drastic, he'll actually get catch on fire for God. We don't want that. We want him complacent. Uh, so the easiest way to, to fight complacency in the church or to fight uh, the fact that you're not getting anywhere with the ministry, like if ministry is not growing, is to like, well, who are you focusing on? If you're so focused on the people that you already have and not in, in equipping them, growing them, discipling them to become better, to, to look out for, for ways for them to go and serve the community, you're not doing anything with them. You're not making them actual followers of Christ. You're making them followers of you. So, and which, by the way, none of us is really worthy of being followed if you if you genuinely believe what the Bible says, we're not worthy of being followed. The only thing about me worthy of being followed is because I follow Christ. And so my job, my goal is to be as like Christ as possible. Mm -hmm. And so, and yes, that means looking out for people that a whole lot of people get uncomfortable around, whether it's the homeless or orphans or uh, widows, older people. Those are things that make people uncomfortable. But those are people that God loves and are often neglected by society and so it's our job to find the people that society rejects and look out for them love them show them that christ died for them to show them that god loves them and wants to be in a loving relationship with them through christ and if we do that if we focus on that we're living up to these this james one philosophy and that of being a pure and being a, having a religion that is pure and undefiled before God. And so that's, that's the way to do it. It's not, it's not rocket science. Like it sometimes gets turned into uh, now how to best reach out to people. Now, yeah, there is some science to that, that changes um, and that changes with the times, but, the core sentiment should not change. It's the fact that like, okay, we need to be reaching out to people. You need to do, you need to disciple and you need to be discipled. Everybody needs that. Everybody needs that in their life. Uh, and so you want to have that un, undefiled, that pure, that pure religion. That's how you do it. Uh, and so it's just something that's really important that I think uh, is important for us to understand. And I think, one of the things that's really great about this particular episode is that 
yeah, Mark has been so focused on big picture stuff. Like, and it's, it's very, it's, you know, it's very important. Like, it's great that they showed it in this episode that what brought him back down was the fact that he was flying up in the clouds. He was, you know, waving to the little kid on an airplane. And then he sees his name written on a building beneath him. And the fact that he didn't really even, he doesn't even really understand what it's like to be a criminal. It's like, it's hard to break that cycle. And so, um, and again, it's the same thing with mystery. It's really hard to break the cycle of just looking out for your own. And don't get me wrong. Don't, don't misinterpret this. I do think it's very important to look out for the people in your ministry. However, the best way to do that is to equip them to go out into it. Because um, believe it or not, you're, they're going to experience the world whether you want them to or not. Uh, they're going to be, be exposed to things that you don't like, uh, that you don't agree with, and that you don't believe in. Now, it's up to us to equip them to be able to handle it. And um, unfortunately, Mark was not 100% ready or, or equipped to handle this situation that he's put into that turned very, very ugly for him in this episode. So, Freck, how would you rate this episode? I'm going to give it a perfect five. Um, there's, you know, watching it and having watched it for the second time now, there's nothing really wrong with this episode. Uh, there's great character moments. They're, they're setting seeds for future events. Uh, I, I mean... Uh, one of the things we for we I forgot to mention that I loved was Debbie being a super sleuth, uh, mm. you know, and doing a great job. Like she outsmarted Omni Man, and um, well, see, one of the things that I even liked about that scene is that just before she gives, like, there's a moment where she was thinking about giving up because she she was like, "This is my husband. I love him," mm-hmm. and. So why why am I why am I being so paranoid? Why why am I so concerned? I love him, I trust him. But then she's but then it's just like that nag, that little nagging in the back of her head is like pull is like pulling at her. And it's just like, yeah, right. that was that was a great scene. Yeah. So so anyway, so I mean this is I mean, the action's great. Battle Beast was awesome. Uh you know, Machine Head was great, you know. It, there's nothing wrong with this episode. It is a perfect five. Well, I hate you because I want to give it a five too. <laughs> For pretty much the exact same stuff, like the, everything about this episode, I, I honestly, I'm, I'm trying to think. Just because you said there's nothing wrong with this episode, there's nothing you change. I'm now racking my brain to try and think <laughs> of anything that I would change from this. Um, and I, I just can't, I, I really can't think of anything because I do, I really enjoyed some of the commentary that they did with this episode, um, with, you know, dealing with stuff that they don't, that they didn't necessarily deal with at this early in the comic with in which, in all honesty, one of the things that I do encourage people to go and read Invincible is that they do make commentary on stuff, um, but it's not ever like over the head bashing you and, and that sort of stuff. Um and that's one of the things that I really liked about this episode is that the, the more powerful hero is the female of the relationship between Rex Blode and, and Adam Eve. And at the point, I was like, she's more powerful than he is. They didn't state that, but it's obvious. It's, she's more powerful than him. 
and you're more concerned about her safety. And it's like, which no, don't get me wrong. Parents, be concerned about the safety of your children. Doesn't doesn't matter how old they are. Be concerned for their safety. However, but the fact that you you degrade her by saying, oh, you need this big, strong man to take care of you. Boo. Boo on you, Wilkins parents. Um, but I do. But like Patrick said earlier in the in the episode, I'm OK with them being like, well, you don't have the team with you anymore. I, I, I you know, I get that. You know, it's just like if you're, t- if you know, if my kids were to be teenage superheroes, being blessed with superpowers, um, I would want them to be working in a team so they have people to support them and go by, you know, to protect them and look, look, look after them. But I don't care what what their gender is, um, you know, just as long as they can do the job. Uh, and so, and and again, it's, but again, like this episode, it just it points this all out that it's like. There's definitely some, you know, and again, there are definitely parents out there that would think that it's like, oh, well, you know, it's just like, you know, just, you know, you should take him back. I'm sure he's sorry, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, who cares if he's sorry? She's 18 and he cheated on her and not only cheated on her, he cheated on her. Um, And honestly, not that there's like necessarily different levels of cheating or whatever. Cheating was cheating, but yeah, it's anyways. Um, yeah, Battle Beast was just awesome, and then I love. Oh my gosh, what's the, what's the villain with the the taffy, cords? Oh goodness, I can't remember. Oh man, what's his name? I love him. I I loved him in the comics piece. He would always kind of show up randomly, and again, like like I was saying earlier in the episode, there's Mark has a bunch of these like random villains that, um, if you ever hear Ryan Ollie talk about him, he just gushes over them because they're absolutely ridiculous. Um. And they were so much fun to draw and so much fun to have around. Uh, although Battle Beast is up there in his terms of love of creations. So Battle Beast is one of uh, his creations and just absolutely love creating him. And he is so much, Battle Beast is so much fun when he shows up, uh, whenever he shows up. He shows up randomly from time to time. Um, and he is a boss. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yes, and I'll, even... I'll get, one of my favorite things is even with the the minor villains in the comics where you know he takes invincible takes them out soundly they always come back and they get better and so like even the the taffy guy um they're they actually come back to him later on in the comic series and he does something i'm not going to reveal it because i just don't want to go there just yet but he uh he does something that increases his power significantly where he actually does give mark a very strong one for his money and this is like experienced mark uh so anyway so this is great episode um great comics so it's just can't can't we can't gush about it enough so, all right. So as we wrap up, you know, if anyone has questions for us about the biblical lesson that we talked about today, James chapter one, verse 27, uh, or anything else that we've discussed, you know, comics, anime, you know, anything in general, just feel free to email us at talkback at gmail.com or reach out to us on Twitter at frickityf or at frickityfrack on Instagram and Facebook. 
So go put some pants on and let's get into the sky.